Brainwashed from CBC Podcast takes you inside a multi-part investigation into MKUltra in Montreal and how the CIA and Canadian government funded secret experiments to find out if people's brains could be rewired and controlled. Learn about the psychiatrist who used hundreds of his patients as human guinea pigs and discover the devastating impacts these experiments had on the victims, their families, and on thousands around the world. You can listen to Brainwashed on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Last time on Urge to Kill. Everything just happened so fast. He just got into my car and at gunpoint was just forcing me to drive him. I just like went into a shock. Like I had no idea what to do. He was hunting for a woman. Yeah, he was. For you. He like started talking to someone on the phone in Spanish. He's like, they're, they're sending helicopters. Like, yeah, I hear them. And he was like, we got to go. Let's go. Basically still trying to use me as a human shield. He kept saying like if something were to happen, they wouldn't shoot him if I was there. It's the early morning hours of Tuesday, July 26th. Edwin Lara and Andrea Mays, the young woman he kidnapped, are back on the road after leaving their hotel room in a hurry. They've been driving for several hours and are now in Northern California. Andrea is in the passenger seat and Edwin's driving. He thinks the police are close behind them and he's frantic. Adding to the chaos, Andrea's car is leaking oil and Edwin is desperate to ditch it and find a new one. He knows the car won't make it much longer, so he makes a split-second decision. He pulls over at a motel and tells Andrea they're going to steal a car. We first drove and saw this motel and it was like maybe about five or six in the morning or maybe earlier than that. Um, but we had drove through the parking lot and there was one room open and some guy was like loading or unloading his car and he was like, we're going to take that car. And I was like, what? Like, eh, well, can I just like keep my car and you can go? And he was just like, no, you need to come with me. Edwin parks next to the man's car and gets out. He's holding his gun and forces Andrea to walk with him. The unsuspecting stranger is busy carrying photography gear from his room to his car. And he doesn't see them coming. I'm your host, Ashley Korsland, and this is Episode 4 of Urge to Kill, a KGW original. Yeah, the devil's going to take me home. If there's one thing to know about Jack Levy, it's that he loves butterflies. He admires them, studies them, and even takes photos of them. Something I've done for quite a number of years, and my photographs have been published in a number of books on butterflies, but, you know, I didn't make a living at it, so I guess I can't claim to be a professional. (laughs) Before I called him at his home in Pasadena, California, I Googled him. I found an L.A. Times article called Brilliant Winged Giants, where the reporter refers to Jack as a butterfly enthusiast and conservationist. Jack's been photographing butterflies for years. It was one of the first things he told me over the phone. Why butterflies, Jack? Oh, it's just been a lifetime passion since I was a little boy. 
Jack travels to get his photographs, often across California. It's been a lifelong goal of his to photograph every species of butterfly in the state. There are different butterflies found in different parts of the state, and I'm down to a short list of things, but mostly things that are not easy to find. (laughs) (laughs) Got to try to be in the right place at the right time of year. But three years ago, he found himself in the wrong place with the wrong person. Jack's morning starts early. He wakes up in his motel room at the Super 8 in Wairica, California. The small, former gold mining town is the county seat of Siskiyou County. It's nestled near a mountain range where Jack is planning on taking photos. So, uh, one of the reasons that I had been staying several times at that particular motel was because I could park in front of the room and had a lot of expensive gear to, I didn't like to leave in the car overnight, so I had to load it in and out each day. Around 5 a.m., Jack begins hauling his photography gear from room 108 and puts it into the back of his car. And I uh, had gone back into the room to pick up another load when uh, two figures appeared in the doorway. As I recall, they were both dressed in black. It's Andrea and Edwin. By this point, Andrea has been held captive for eight hours. She's terrified as Edwin holds on to her with one hand, his gun in the other. And then we like walked past the gentleman's room first and then he was like, okay, just stay by me and we're just gonna go in there and and we're gonna get the key so we can take the car. And so I just like stuck with what he had told me to do and um, we walked into the guy's uh, room but it was more of like I got kind of pushed into the room first and then everything just like happened so fast. I think I initially said you must have found the wrong room just assumed that they meant to go into some other room. And then I remember the gentleman was just like yelling like you guys have the wrong room you need to go. He was like you know don't make any loud noises don't don't yell or anything he's like i just need your car keys we need to get out of here um he was already pointing the gun at him at this point and um i remember just like kind of feeling like stuck in the crossfire of everything next thing i recall is uh edwin lara flashing his gun and uh yelled for help and he said i'll shoot you and i yelled for help again and he shot me I don't remember anything like during that time like I'd never heard a gun go off like that next to me before so it was like the worst feeling ever I didn't know if I had gotten shot or something because like I could feel it in my body like the vibration of everything so I was just like what just happened and I didn't see anything happen like I didn't see like the gentleman or him falling or like I don't know like it was just so weird everything happened too fast. The bullet lodges deep into Jack's stomach, and he falls to the floor. Edwin grabs Andrea and forces her to run away from the motel, leaving Jack to die. The whole encounter takes only 15 seconds to unfold. And 
then after that, all I remember is like hearing the gun go off and like everything just started ringing and everything was like blacked out. I then just remember like running towards the gas station. Like I don't remember anything like during that time. Edwin and Andrea run about 150 yards to a nearby gas station. They still don't have a car. While Edwin searches for another car to steal, the 911 call goes out back at the motel. 911, what's your emergency? Hi, it's Karen at CHP. Hi. Hey, I just transferred a call to medical at Super 8 Motel. The manager there said there's a gentleman who says he got shot in the stomach. And he's laying down in room 108. 108. All right, Karen, I'll okay. get the info to the guys. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. As police race to the motel room where Jack bleeds out on the floor, Edwin spots the perfect car to steal at the gas station. Then we were just running towards the gas station, and that's when he saw the car loading up, and the doors were all open, and it was just the boy sitting in there, and the other boy in the back seat and their grandma. The boy Andrea is talking about is 17-year-old Nima Gavimi. He and his family are on their way back to Los Angeles after a trip to Canada visiting relatives. My dad, he needed to get gas and also he wanted me to drive because he was very tired and I'm the only other person in the car that could drive. They're stopped at the gas station just a few hours from home. Nima's dad and grandpa are inside using the bathroom. He's sitting in the car with his grandma and younger brother when two people approach them. They're just walking towards our car, and I'm like, well, in my head I was thinking, if, you know, if they rob me, I'm like a 17-year-old kid, like I don't have money, like whatever, just take whatever I have and go. So I didn't like pay attention to it too much. And so I just went back on my phone, and then I turned around again like three seconds later, and... He had just thrown the girl into our car, um, slammed the door shut, and, like, screamed, just get in. And he pointed a gun at my head saying, like, driver, I'll shoot. Nima starts driving south on I-5. He can hear screaming from the back seat. He thinks it's Andrea, but when he looks back, he sees it's his grandma. Um, Edwin's getting very paranoid, and he's like, pretty much tell her to shut the F up or I'll shoot. And we're, we don't know how to speak our native language Farsi, like my brother and I. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to like figure out like how to calm her down. And I'm driving and I have just gotten my permit. So I, you know, when you just get your permit and you have a gun pointed to your face, you don't really know how to kind of react. Edwin grabs Nima's phone and scrolls through his call log to see if he's called the cops. He didn't get the chance. From my brother's side, he's like, I was ready to just jump out of the car. I'd rather, you know, jump out and die rather than get shot and die. And we continue on driving. Um, he asks us if we want to hear a story. And my brother says, no, we don't want you to have any reason to kill us if you let us go. And then he said, well, I'm going to tell you guys anyway. Then he proceeded to ask us if we've ever had an urge to kill. He's like, do you guys have an urge? Have you guys ever had an urge to kill? I'm looking at this guy like, this is crazy as hell. I didn't say anything, but my brother said no. And then he said, uh, well, I used to be a good guy. I used to be a cop. But then I just had this urge to kill, so I ran this girl over. And then I'm like, 
I didn't believe him, honestly. He told me a story about like how he ran the girl over and he kidnapped the girl behind us and he drove 10 hours down, down south from Bend, Oregon to where we were, then shot an old man because the guy wouldn't give him his car keys. And then Edwin tells them about himself and his past. And he was talking about how he used to be a good guy, a religious person, and how he had a wife. And he lived essentially a good life. At this point, Nima and his brother know their best shot at escaping is if they can play into Edwin's emotions. So that's exactly what they do. After that, he started to ask my brother and I questions about, you know, why we were here and what we were doing. And so we told him that, you know, it was our grandmother's first time in America. You know, just kind of like make him feel bad. Like, oh, we just picked up our grandparents from Canada. It's our first time in America. We just want to take them back to our home in Los Angeles and show them around. They're like, oh, he started saying we're good kids and stuff like that, so he won't kill us. He also said that he'll let us go once we run out of gas. The boys try to convince Edwin to let them pull over at a rest stop and let them out, that he'll be better off with their car, but without them. And they're successful. About 15 miles later, Edwin asks Nima to pull over. And so he looked around, there was no cars coming, and essentially we just stopped on the side of the road, and he took the car with the girl, and they left. Edwin let Nima, his brother, and their grandma go. But not Andrea. She's now sitting in the passenger seat as he drives. I was just like, can I just stay with them? Like, you have a perfectly working car now. Like, you have everything you need. And he was like, no. Like, I told you, like, they're, they'll try to shoot me and kill me if you're not with me. So still, he just needed, like, that human shield. And I remember I just, like, started bawling again. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just want to go home. Edwin has Andrea's phone and records a video as he's driving along I-5. He has a message for Kaylee Sawyer's family. Hi, everybody. Um, I just want to say that I apologize for everything I've done. Most likely, I'm going to get caught. And um, sorry about that girl. My bad girl in Central Oregon. And I just want to admit, family members, uh, Andrea, that she's fine, and she will be fine, because uh, so far she's been doing uh, what I've been told you to, you know, and, and if you guys are wondering uh, if I have done dirty things to her, no, all right, I'm not that kind of guy, you know, I just... I used to kill that other girl, you know, and I regret it. I regret killing her. You know, she kept screaming, and I stopped her forever. So, you know, like I say, she's still fine. We're driving, and she'll be home pretty soon. I'm sorry to her grandma and her family members, to her boyfriend. You know, I'm sorry for everything that I caused. And you'll see her pretty soon. Okay, tell the cops that not to shoot us because if they shoot us, then that's not my fault. Okay, but sorry, everybody. Bye. When he finishes, Edwin tells Andrea to post it to her Facebook page. 
and the caption he wants her to write? Murderer on the loose. He was like, you need to post that. And I was like, no, like I have like important people on my Facebook and friends and like teachers and like relatives. Like this is embarrassing. I don't want them seeing this, like seeing me like that. But Edwin threatens to hurt her if she doesn't. So Andrea quickly changes the privacy settings on the video so only she can see it, no one else. And she posts the video. Next, Edwin calls his wife, Isabel. They're talking in Spanish, which Andrea can't fully understand. But she gets a sense that Isabel is trying to get Edwin to turn himself in. He's now driving through Red Bluff, about 30 miles south of Redding. He's on the interstate going more than 100 miles per hour. A nearby highway patrol officer sees the cargo flying by and flips on the sirens and the lights. The officer has no idea who's behind the wheel. The patrol car's dash cam captures the ensuing chase. The car Edwin's in swerves between lanes, passing a semi and other traffic. Nearby officers join in on the chase, right on Edwin's heels. Edwin presses his foot down on the gas. 100, 110, 120 miles an hour. Brainwashed from CBC Podcast takes you inside a multi-part investigation into MK Ultra in Montreal and how the CIA and Canadian government funded secret experiments to find out if people's brains could be rewired and controlled. Learn about the psychiatrist who used hundreds of his patients as human guinea pigs and discover the devastating impacts these experiments had on the victims, their families, and on thousands around the world. You can listen to Brainwashed on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Growing up here, dealing with everything that's going on now, I'm surprised this town's even standing. Bardstown, Kentucky is a small town in the heart of the Bluegrass State. But Bardstown, Kentucky also has secrets. Five unsolved murders over four years. Rumors and theories, and still no one is behind bars. I've been 100% grateful. Listen to what I'm saying. You listen to what I'm saying. Bardstown, a new podcast from Vault Studios. It's been you know, almost six years. There's still not a lot of answers. As Edwin drives faster and faster, he grabs the phone from Andrea and calls 911. 911 emergency reporting. Yes, hi. This is Edwin Lara, and I'm the guy on Interstate, Interstate 5 going at high speed. I, I know you guys have the chopper on me already. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just want to say I am going to turn myself in. Okay, where are you at? Okay, I'm on I 5, uh, I think close to Reading, if I'm right. So, you know, I, I am wanted for murder in the state of Oregon. Okay. Edwin, yeah. where are you at right now? Can you stop? I am going to stop once I head Reading. Once I'm in Reading, I'm going to stop. Okay. Can you tell me where you are right now? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, oh, let's see. There's a sign right here. 50 miles from Reading. You're 50 miles from Reading. Can wait, you still Corning, Corning, anything? From Corning. You're 50 so miles I'm, from Corning. Yeah, 50 miles from Corning. 50 miles uh, south. 
or north of Corning. Are you by yourself or? No, I have someone with me. I kidnapped her in Oregon. She's innocent. Uh, her name is Andrea. What's your last name? He doesn't know. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let her give her last name. You can call her family, okay? Okay. Just give me a, just give me a second. What's your name? Hello. Yeah. Hi. What's your name? Andrea. Andrea, what's your last name? Maze. M A E S. Okay. Are you hurt at all, Andrea? No. No. Okay. where you are. Let me talk to Edwin again. Okay. Good. Edwin tells the dispatcher he's going to pull over and turn himself in in the nearby town of Corning. Okay. Are you going uh, to Corning Police or where are you going? Yeah, I'm going to Corning Police. But I want to ask you a favor. Uh-huh. So I have asthma. You have asthma? Okay. Yeah, so you tell him not to be too rough on me because, you know, I, I can't really breathe right now. All right, so... That's all I wanted to say. Do you, you know, need, I don't want. Do you need wanna... kind of medical or? Yeah, well, I, I think so. I'm gonna need my inhaler. I forgot my inhaler at home. You know, I went all over, all over, uh, uh, Salem, Oregon, looking for, for an inhaler, but I guess they don't sell it. You know, behind the counter, or out of counter. I... So. I... Edwin, how fast are you going? I'm going about 120 miles an You're hour about right 120 now. miles an hour? Yes. Can you slow down? Well, I want to make it there quick. That way I can turn myself in. Well, well the officer sees you with it. We just don't want you to speed away from anything. If you can stop and just give yourself in, it'll probably be easier. Well, there's an officer behind me right now. Okay, they see you. We're talking to him. They see you. Yeah, she's seeing me. I think it's a she. She's right behind me. Okay. The officer sees you. And are you able to just safely stop? Yeah, I, I can stop, uh, but not right now. I'll stop in Corning. Uh, what's the difference from stopping now in Corning? I just don't want to stop right here in the middle of the road, you know, putting myself in danger and putting everybody else in danger, more in danger, I guess. You know, they won't. They're, they're aware. I'll let them know they won't. But if you can stop safely, they just don't want you to run. They don't think you're you know, going to run or anything. Okay. Yes, um, yes, Edwin, yes. do you have any weapons with you? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I do have a gun on me. I am not going to flash the gun, so you tell them not to shoot me. Okay. No, I don't want to die. Okay, you stick by your word, though. I'll let them know. The dispatcher stays calm as Edwin tells her about Kaylee. I am I am wanted for the death of uh, Kaylee Sawyer at Bend, Oregon. What's the girl's name? Kaylee what? Sawyer. Sawyer? Yes. Or Swire, maybe. And she was from Bend, Oregon? Yes. So are you going to stop? Yeah, maybe. I will stop right now. I'm just, you know, I'm shaking up. I mean, I'm shaking. I, I understand. And it, I don't want to get shot. I mean, okay. I, I will let them know, but you need to make sure you just listen carefully, okay? Okay. Just, just, just to let you know, I have a bulletproof vest, too. You do, do you, are you wearing it? Yes. Well, you're not going to try to do anything, right? No, I'm not. Okay. You want me to throw my gun out of the window right now? No, not right now. No, no, no. Don't do that right now. All right. Edwin then tries to end the call. All right. Okay, I'll stop. Okay. I'll hang up now. No, no, no. I'm going to stay on the line with you, okay? Okay. Well, basically, or technically, it's illegal to 
talk on the phone and drive, right? You, you know, if you're calling in an emergency, and you know what, this is just a total different circumstance, okay? Okay. That's the last thing we need to worry about right now. Yes. So, you know, I know, I know this is being recorded, and, you know, I just want to say to the family of, of Kaylee that, you know, I am sorry. I'm sorry for what I did to her, and in time I will tell them where the body is. You know, I will just that way she can rest in peace. I left I left my vehicle with a note. You know, and uh, what is that place called? In Salem, 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 Oregon. Okay. Yeah, in the what's the mall called? The Ross. Yeah, there is a Ross in the uh, Lancaster in Salem. And what is it called? What is it? You know the address for the mall? Oh, the mall. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a Ross, a Ross mall. Ross R. Ross R O S S. Oh, Ross mall. Yeah. So or a store, whatever you want to call it. So it's a store. I left a, a station wagon, you know, that I sold from my parents. Uh huh. Why well, I, I was borrowing it. I told them that I was going to borrow it. And so I drove it all the way to Salem, and I parked it right in front of the mall, and there's a note there just in case, hopefully not, but just in case I die. Uh, he gives the dispatcher more details about the car and then gives the phone to Andrea. Hello? Yeah, hi, Andrea. Are hi. you okay? You don't need any medical or anything? No. Okay, so Edwin, where's his gun at? Does he have it still in his leg? Um, I don't know. Can you see it? He said he had it between his legs. Is he stopping? Yeah. In the distance, Andrea can hear the sirens of police cars that are almost to them. I'm going to stay on the line with you until the officers get there, okay? And you're going to be okay. Andrea? Mm-hmm. Edwin begins slowing down, drifting toward the shoulder of the road. He is stopping? Mm-hmm. Okay, make sure your hands are up, too, and stuff. I know you're on the phone right now, but just hold your hand up so they can see your hands, too. Okay. A patrol car is now right behind Edwin. Officer safety information that driver Edwin is deciding he's got his gun between his legs on the seat. The dash cam captures him pulling over to the side of the interstate. We're kind of yielding 35 miles an hour at Sourgrass. 353, stop. Sourgrass. Edwin cautiously opens his door and looks out. Get your hands up! Get them up! Step out of the vehicle! Step out of the vehicle! While this plays out, the dispatcher gives Andrea instructions. Mm-hmm. Does Edwin have, does he have his hands up? Yeah. He does have his hands up? Okay. Just tell them to make sure that the officer... Hey, who are you? Tell him I can't. He can't, he said he can't hear her. Do I get out or do I? Tell him we're letting the office know that he can't hear. He's already walking towards them. He's walking towards them. Tell him to make sure he holds his hands up. Yeah, he is. He is. Tell him to turn around and don't walk towards them. He can walk backwards towards them. I can't, he's too far. Okay. Edwin turns his back to the officers and puts his hands behind his head, surrendering. Walk back. 
he begins walking backwards, straddling the white line separating the lane of traffic and the shoulder. He's just inches away from other cars and semis flying down the interstate. Drivers who have no idea what's unfolding right next to them. Edwin complies with their commands. Two officers with guns drawn move in slowly. One of them pulls Edwin's hands behind his back to handcuff him. Andrea is still inside the car, on the line with the dispatcher. Do I stay on the line with you? I'll, once you get out, I'll go ahead and disconnect the line. Once you get out, can you see, do they have him in custody already? Um, they're putting the cuffs on him right now. They're putting the cuffs on him? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to hang up and just get out and you walk backwards towards him with your hands up, okay? Okay. Okay, Andrea, it's going to be okay. Uh, she told me to stay in the oh, car. Oh, she told you to stay in the car? Okay, then yeah. whatever instructions they give you, then do that. Okay. <laughs> okay, if she's giving you instructions, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and get off the line, okay? And just whatever okay. instructions. Okay, all right. Okay. Bye. After 15 minutes on the line with 911, the call ends. By now, other officers have shown up to the scene. Some of them begin searching the car and talking with Andrea. Another officer places Edwin into the back of a patrol car. His hands are behind his back in cuffs. Okay, now, like that. You understand? If you keep the backs of your hands together like that, you won't have a problem. The more you do this, the more those things are going to hurt. The officer discovers Edwin is wearing body armor and asks him why. Edwin tells him, I came to throw down. I'm going to go ahead and advise you of your rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say could be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to have an attorney before and during questioning. If you do not have the money for an attorney, one will be appointed to you by the state. You understand those rights that I've explained to you? Having those rights in mind, do you have a problem with talking with us today? No problem. Okay. After reading Edwin his rights, officers take him to jail. Reading 3613, I'll be around to the office with the 1015. 1015 is code for prisoner in custody. During the 30-minute drive, Edwin says almost nothing as he looks out the window. Except this. Oh, going far? Nope, just down the street. You gotta go to the bathroom or? Nah, I just hot. Hot. I'll survive. When they get to the Tehama County Jail. Officers bring him in to get processed. Edwin looks just like any normal 30-something man. His short, dark hair is covered by a baseball hat. He's wearing jeans, a green short sleeve shirt, and a vest. Jail staff put Edwin's belongings into bags and then have him change into a jail uniform. That's when Edwin says this. Well, they want to find a lot. Most likely, they're come get If they want to find the body, they're going to come and get me. 
While Edwin is processed at the jail, Andrea finishes answering questions back on the side of the interstate. Was there relief for you at that point, or did you think it was still far from over? At that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is done. Like, I can go home. Like, this is over. Like, I'm okay. I'm safe. Like, I just felt like this weight lifted. That's until the officers put handcuffs around Andrea's wrists. They had me get out of the car and had me walk backwards and handcuff me. And I was like, okay, this might just be like a formality thing just because they don't know what's going on, maybe. But I'm like, he told dispatch everything. Like, he told everyone what was going on. Like, obviously, like, I didn't know that they couldn't, like, tell the situation. The next thing Andrea knows, she is sitting in the back of a patrol car. And she's heading to jail. Yeah, the devil's gonna take me. Next time on Urge to Kill. You realize at this moment they think you're a suspect. They ended up, like, strip-searching me and, like completely treating me like I was the criminal. Andrea's nightmare isn't over. They are like, okay, um, we need to get your mic shot. And I was like, why? Like, I didn't do anything. And detectives from Oregon arrive to interrogate Edwin, who makes a startling confession. He wanted to tell us what happened to Kaylee. Not only did he want to, but he talked to you for hours. Yeah, a long time. I'm standing at the end of the world Not a devil's gonna take me Urge to Kill is a KGW and Vault Studios production. Please subscribe and leave us a rating or review. We've got a lot more information, including videos and pictures, on kgw.com slash urge to kill. You can also follow us on Instagram at urge to kill podcast and join the Urge to Kill Facebook group on KGW's Facebook page. This show is written and hosted by me, Ashley Korslin. It's produced by me, Destiny Johnson, and Mila Mamitsa. It's edited by Zachary Carver and Destiny Johnson. Original artwork by Jeff Patterson and videography by Eric Patterson. Special thanks to Ellen Boynton and KGW management and staff. If you or a loved one are a victim of sexual assault, help is available 24-7. Call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. Or you can find help at www.online.rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N. Hi, Bardstown listeners. This is Jessica Knoll. If you're enjoying the show, you might also like True Crime Chronicles from Vault Studios. We bring you a new true crime story from across the country each week, digging into some lesser-known cases you might not have heard of. So check out True Crime Chronicles, and of course, thanks for listening to Bardstown.